VegCast 63, have a waffle. VegCast. And yes, I know this rhyme is somewhat awful. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yes, VegCast is back and we are here to tell you about the vegan waffle party phenomenon. Be talking to the man responsible for starting this whole phenomenon going, Dave Whitener. Uh, he will talk about how it got started, how it has grown, and what is happening this weekend. Uh, May 23rd is the official uh, vegan waffle party date, although uh, Dave does say if you can't do it on May 23rd, we'll just please get to it. As soon as he can. That's just the kind of guy he is. He's going to cut you some slack on that. So we'll be talking with Dave about that. And we'll also be hearing some music from Dave Whitener. We Are All One, a quasi-electronica type track that has some singing, some, uh, I guess you might call it chanting on top of that about how we are all one. And, of course, as always, we will have a science fact. This one uh, in honor, so to speak, of the circus coming to town here in Philadelphia uh, the first global study of animal uh, welfare and circuses. So, all of that is going to be coming up, and I invite you to sit back, relax, and crank up your MP3 player as we deliver to you this 63rd edition of all right, without any further ado, let's go right now to that interview with Dave Whitener. Okay, right now on VegCast, we are talking with Dave Whitener, founder of Idealist Coach, and also uh, the progenitor of the Vegan Waffle Parties. Dave, welcome to VegCast. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, let's start, let's jump right into the Vegan Waffle Party concept. Uh what what is this and how did you basically how did you get the idea to start this yeah well we started the waffle party idea back in 1998 i was not uh, vegan or even vegetarian at that point in time uh, we had a small uh, apartment and just one day we realized what could we do for an interesting theme party and we said well among the uh, few appliances we have in our tiny Baltimore apartment is a waffle maker. So, hey, why don't we do a waffle party? So we had uh, a bunch of people over, uh, packed into our small apartment, and uh, had a variety of toppings. And uh, several years later, found it growing in size. Uh, back around um, 2006, as Jen and I started uh, changing our lifestyles, uh, we made the waffle party entirely vegetarian and then entirely vegan. So wait, before that, you were you were what putting bacon and sausage on top of waffles or what? Unfortunately, things like that uh, were probably included or brought at certain points. Yeah, putting like sausage patties on it or just they were on the side. Uh, there were different chicken dishes and things like that. Uh, down south, for example, they do uh, do chicken and waffles. Uh, fortunately, they are now uh, vegan versions of that as well. Okay. So then uh, when you went uh, to the vegetarian waffles, then how did it progress from there? Well, a couple things happened. 
happened. Uh, we saw um, different different types of people uh, started showing up. Some some people stopped uh, coming as much because I think they were uh, a little bit uh, freaked out by it. Um, but then we also noticed that people who were continuing to attend, uh, it seemed like there was a lot more positive energy there. And I also started to realize, hey, we've been having fun with this for a number of years now. Maybe we can take it beyond just having fun, and maybe we can use it to get people thinking a little bit more about their lifestyles. Okay, and were you vegan yet at that point, or you just uh, it was like a vegetarian activist thing? It was around uh, 2006, uh, 2005, 2006, I started uh, making the transition. Um, the first, and it was around that time, we also went to the first uh, vegetarian summer fest, uh, which actually made me start looking at uh, vegetarianism and saying, oh, maybe I should cut out the, uh, the dairy and the egg as well. Mm-hmm. And that's around the time I said, hmm, I wonder if it's possible to do vegan waffles. And it blew my mind when I found out that you could indeed do vegan waffles. <laughs> so okay. it's quite exciting, actually. And so uh, let's, let's just uh, drill down into that for a second. Uh-huh. Uh, people think of waffles as, uh, you know, you've you got to have eggs. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. you know, ego waffles have almost uh, become synonymous in the public <laughs> mind with uh, what when they think of a waffle they they picture that so uh i'm assuming you use do you use egg replacer or do you have your own uh, particular recipe to to get that you know the effect of eggs mm-hmm. well that's that's i'm glad you asked that uh the first couple of years uh that they the parties were vegan um i did indeed use uh, egg replacer there may be still a couple recipes on waffleparty.com that have that. Um, over the last uh, just year here, uh, we started moving more towards recipes um, that don't use egg replacer. Um, if egg replacer is in a recipe, um, it unfortunately makes it too easy for somebody to say, oh, I'll just take that recipe, and I don't have egg replacer, so I'll just drop an egg in it. <laughs> and uh, so that, that kind of defeated some of the purpose. Oh, uh, wait, so you're saying you have to come up with a recipe that kind of obscures how the, uh, the function of the egg is, is being replaced so that people can't just uh, backslide right into eggs. Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. And oh. you know, things like uh, flaxseed, uh, as you know, work really well. Uh, for some of the uh, gluten-free recipes, uh, xanthan gum um, is a very good uh, um, item to use in those. Um, if you have, for example, a, uh, a rice-based, rice flour-based recipe, um, those serve as binders. And then for the uh, the leavening, the uh, the baking soda and the baking powder often uh, do the trick all on their own. Okay. Well, coming back out to the parties themselves, uh, we're doing this podcast now because you have uh, a vegan waffle party and parties coming up, right? Yep. Yes, we do on May 23rd. May 23rd. And uh, you're out in Pittsburgh. Are Now, is this one party? Is this several parties? Is this like going around the world? What's, it, what's exactly is the scope here? 
Yeah, we're we're very excited about it. Uh, the, the last uh, well, last year actually, I just began to uh, advertise it beyond Pittsburgh, encouraging other cities to host the waffle parties as well. Uh, what got me particularly excited were actually uh, other uh, vegan and vegetarian things going on in Pittsburgh. Um, a few years back, um, uh, an individual named Michael Hobson uh, founded the uh, Pittsburgh Vegan Meetup. Um, uh, Michael Elliott now runs that, and it's actually grown to uh, more than, I think it's over 360 members now. Wow. And uh, recently, a few individuals, uh, Sally Stewart and Ann Lynch, uh, started an organization, the Three Rivers Vegan Society. And amidst this other energy going on in the area, um, I thought, you know, it'd really be nice to sort of tack on to some of this energy and maybe spread some of the little piece that we do, the Vegan Waffle Party, and try to get this type of thing going on in other cities. Um, so this year, um, I've had people contact me. Uh, one person's doing a vegan waffle party in Belgium, uh, which is particularly exciting because well, uh, yeah. Belgium is all about waffles. That's right. Uh, we've got uh, somebody from uh, Ontario, Canada, a um, couple people out in California, somebody who has a coffee house in Iowa City, Iowa, that has a great selection of vegan waffles, and they're going to emphasize uh, the 23rd is their vegan waffle day. Um, so it's, it's really exciting to have these other cities coming on board, focusing on uh, this relatively simple concept as a fun way to get an important message out there. Okay, and what exactly is the message? I mean, obviously there's the message, hey, waffles can be vegan, but uh, do, at the party, does is the party itself, uh, you know, is it like a Tupperware party where you'd get people in there and then start uh, giving them the hard sell or what? <laughs> what we try to do is we, we keep it as, uh, as open as possible. Uh, what one of the, the, um, the phrases I use on the invitations is, uh, you don't have to be vegan, but the topping you bring does. And we invite neighbors, friends, uh, people from the vegan meetup group, and we invite them to bring their own vegan topping. Um, so this allows them to participate uh, regardless of where they are in terms of their eating and lifestyle habits. And, and the message is really a very fun and gentle one. Uh, the message is basically, you know, come and, come and give this a try and, and see what you think of it. Uh, we're not going to, you know, proselytize you in any way. Uh, we're just going to have a good time and uh, hopefully inspire a little bit of thought about uh, how we fit into our, our planet and uh, other life surrounding us. Okay. Well, so would you, uh, do you recommend this model for activism and other things? I mean, are you, are you thinking of exporting this concept into uh, other kinds of parties or other kinds of food or or just you're going to you know focus on getting the waffle concept spread as far as possible well i think uh the, the waffle concept alone uh is a is a really great one uh for a couple of reasons one and because of that i, I plan to focus on that for some time uh one being that the waffle is a fairly familiar type of food uh vegans and non-vegans alike um, and it's a type of food that 
usually blows people's minds when they say, oh my gosh, I didn't know you could veganize that. Um, another piece of the waffle party that's really great is that the, the waffle really is a very flexible food form. Uh, you can make breakfast waffles, lunch waffles, dinner waffles. And so if you want to have a really sweet dessert-focused party, it's easy to do that. Or if you want to have one that's you know, a little more on the, the savory side, not so much sugar involved, uh, you can have people bring much more savory dinner-type toppings uh, to an event. Um, another piece is that you don't need really fancy equipment to throw a waffle party. You know, somebody uh, might have, well, you know, we have five waffle irons now, but we're a little bit outside the norm. But uh, <laughs> somebody wants to throw a really fancy party and get a lot of fancy ingredients and have candlelight and a live band and everything, they could do that. Or a college student who has, you know, one waffle iron and you know, wants to just make up a little batter, have friends bring toppings, uh, they can do that as well. Um, you've got you know, Ray Sikora and others have started Veg Fund now. You know, if somebody wanted to use a waffle party to reach a uh, non-vegan audience, you know, they might uh, look at that great new organization and apply for funding to, to introduce vegan waffles to other people and cover the cost of some of their ingredients. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I plan to, to focus on the waffles for some time, um, but what I hope that people also get out of it is that if you're really interested in a specific type of food, say you really like, you know, peanut butter, vegan desserts, you know, pursue that. And, and you might be surprised at what you can do with a very specific thing that you're passionate about. Um, because in, in activism, it's really easy to get, uh, get overwhelmed in certain ways, to feel like, oh, should I focus on letter writing or education or should I go volunteer for this event over here and I don't feel like I have the time but if you have one little thing that you're specifically interested in like for me it was vegan waffles and waffle parties you, you can take that specific thing and pursue it and you might be surprised at the energy that you pull in from that especially if you connect with uh, endeavors people are already engaged in out there. Okay. Well, before I let you go, uh, in our conversation about doing this show, I mentioned that, uh, you know, this strikes particularly close to home for me because I eat vegan waffles every single day uh, for <laughs> breakfast, and I eat them with peanut butter and maple syrup, and I know it's, uh, it's probably not, uh, but they're flax waffles, you see, so I, I rationalize uh. it to myself that I'm, uh, you know, it's a health food because I'm, I'm getting my omega-3s. But uh, outside of that, you, you made some remark that you could make me feel less guilty about uh, this particular <laughs> vice of mine. So I'm, I'm throwing the, the floor uh, open to you to, uh, to go ahead and do that. Okay. Well, I have to say, first of all, I'm very impressed because even I cannot say that I eat vegan waffles every day. Um, I throw cereal in there once in a while too, and may, maybe a pancake. Oh, I try. I, I mean, you know, there there are occasional days where I get up enough uh, resolve to to not have waffles, but it's mostly because it's just there. You know, I put them in the toaster. It's the easiest thing to have. It's not like I I have a, a fealty to to the waffle uh, phenomenon. It's just I'm uh, when I wake up, I'm I don't want to do a lot of work to have breakfast. 
Okay. So what's 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 your take on that? Well, in terms of uh, alleviating some of the guilt, I'd say first of all, uh, vegan waffles, you don't have any cholesterol in there because you don't have the animal products in there. So that right away should alleviate uh, some of the guilt. Um, another piece is if, uh, as I mentioned, uh, waffles are very versatile. If you're looking for something uh, that, that has a little bit more fiber in it, you can put uh, some, some whole grain flour in there. Or, or if you're um, buying, uh, I, I almost uh, consider it a bad word sometimes, frozen waffles, um, although I admit I try them once in a while to compare them to fresh waffles from scratch. Um, but if you're buying or making uh, whole grain waffles, um, that'll add some fiber. Um, in other pieces, you're you're never going to get rid of, you know, all the fat and oil in waffles. I mean, that's just a, a part of waffles. Um, but if if you're you know, getting out, exercising a little bit, and everything, I mean, you're going to burn those, those calories off. Um, and the the type of fat you're getting from things like canola oil is going to be healthier than some of the stuff that's in the, the non-vegan waffle anyway. Well, does that help a little bit? Do you feel it does a little, help a little, little I guess, better now? Yeah, we, <laughs> we took care of the waffle. <laughs> we'll have to do another show to take care of the maple syrup, I'm afraid. But uh, we're about out of time now, but uh, we want to be sure uh, everybody, uh, if they are around Pittsburgh or one of the other cities where they're uh, doing the, uh, the vegan waffle parties, they can find out and attend or maybe even get one going uh, in time, uh, and if they have any interest in that, where should they go? They can go to waffleparty.com and let me know uh, through a form at that site. It does not have to be right on May 23rd. It can be uh, any time in May or early June. Wow. Love to post a link to their site up there and put them on the map and hear how it went. Great. All right. Dave Whitener, it uh, sounds like you've got... Uh, Kind of an offbeat approach there, but it's catching on, and I wish you the best, and thanks again for being with us on VegCast. Oh, thanks for this opportunity, Vance. Great.
That is Dave Whitener getting a little bit of a craftwork style groove on there with We All Are One. That entire song is uh, over seven minutes long. He gave me permission to uh, present a portion of that. But uh, if you want to hear the whole song, please uh, follow the link in the show notes. But right now we are going to turn our attention to the science. Hey, hey, everybody, the circus is in town here in Philadelphia, and in honor of the occasion, our science fact for this VegCast is circus captivity is beastly for wild animals. This is a report from New Scientist, and the lead is stars of the show, they may be, but elephants, lions, and tigers are the wild animals least suited to life in a circus, concludes the first global study of animal welfare in circuses. It's no one single factor, says Stephen Harris of the University of Bristol, UK, and lead researcher of the study. Whether it's lack of space and exercise or lack of social contact, all factors combined show it's a poor quality of life compared with the wild, he says. The survey concludes that on average, wild animals spend just 1% to 9% of their time training, and the rest confined to cages, wagons, or enclosures, typically covering a quarter the area recommended for zoos. And we all know zoos, that's the gold standard for really giving animals what they need in terms of uh, replicating their environment. Sorry, that's me uh, interpolating that. Back to quoting from the story, worst affected are elephants, lions, tigers, and bears. Often they're confined to cages where they pace up and down for hours on end. Uh, the story details uh, specific problems with travel and uh, points out that even when they reach their destinations, uh, animals are often kept in conditions drastically different from their natural habitat. Elephants can be shackled for 12 to 23 hours per day when not performing in areas from just 7 to 12 square meters. Often they could only move as far as the chain would let them just one to two meters. In the wild, elephants spend 40 to 75 percent of their time feeding and cover up to 50 kilometers in a day. Now, I realize they're using this crazy uh, metric system to measure things, but if you recall that a meter is a little more than a yard, uh, so a uh, an elephant could move potentially two yards. And if you just know that a kilometer is a thousand meters, it means that the elephant's range of movement uh, on a given day is one twenty-five thousandth to one fifty thousandth of uh, what the animal is naturally inclined to do. Uh, the story also points out that uh, there are specific health problems that come from the exact tricks that elephants uh, have to do, other animals as well, but I'm spotlighting elephants here. Elephants become obese through inactivity and develop rheumatoid disorders and lameness as a result, as well as joint and hernia problems through having to adopt unnatural positions during performance. There is no evidence to suggest that the natural needs of non-domesticated animals can be met through the living conditions and husbandry offered 
by circuses, concludes the study. And uh, it just notes that the study does say some countries, such as Austria, have already banned wild animals from circuses, but they still feature prominently in major circuses of the U.S. and Europe, such as Ringling Brothers, Barnum & Bailey, which is a circus that is here in town right now, hoping that everyone will be swept up in the crazy zim-zam-zoom of it all and close their eyes to the science fact. All right, just a couple quick updates on some topics and guests uh, from recent VegCast. You may recall Dr. Michael Greger coming on to talk about his experience going to the Colbert Report and posing as an expert on diseases of the hedgehog, which uh, you could say that he is probably more knowledgeable about that than uh, most people or just about anybody else in the U.S. But, of course, his area of expertise is uh, diseases of livestock animals, animals in uh, factory farm and other farming situations. And uh, just very shortly after that, he was pressed into service to appear uh, as, a, you know, a serious animal expert, and uh, he has been showing up on CNN doing some appearances there, debating uh, other uh, so-called experts uh, from uh, the animal industry and so forth. And we will have uh, some links in our show notes uh, to some of those appearances If for those of you who want to uh, follow along with that and uh, find out more about the ongoing swine flu situation. And additionally, we talked with Priscilla Farrell very recently about the uh, the new Friends of Animals cookbook and her appearance uh, here in the Delaware Valley. And we also talked about uh, the Deer and Valley Forge. We did not mention an ongoing lawsuit uh, that has been commenced by PETA uh, against primarily primates, uh, which is affiliated with uh, Friends of Animals. Uh, and I don't want to go too deeply into this uh, because I don't understand every nuance of it, but one thing I really don't understand is why uh, PETA seems to think this would be a good idea for the animal movement in general for them to make a uh, a big public stink about this, uh, especially given some of the, uh, you might say, liabilities in uh, their own history And we'll leave it at that, and you can go to the show notes and uh, follow some links there to find out some more about that uh, on the friendsofanimals.org site. And that's about all the links that we're going to have time for today. Well, it's been a month since the last VegCast came out, and as often happens, we now have another one in the pipeline already that'll be out next week to complete our two podcasts for May. We're going to be talking with Rip Esselstyn about the Engine 2 diet, so be sure to subscribe now or check back next week for that one. And in the meantime, thanks to Dave Whitener for talking with us about vegan waffle parties and for providing the music for this episode and as always thanks to you for your support of VegCast now I want you to get out there and live like you mean it.